Hey, welcome to the Rooted to Live podcast. I'm really glad that you're choosing to listen to this episode because today I'd like to talk about God's timing and our faith. And everyone can relate to the struggling with the timing of life's difficult circumstances, thinking about what's going on around the world right now concerning the virus and the impact it's having uh, then not only globally, nationally, but personally. It's, you can't avoid it right now. You can't avoid uh, life has trouble. And for most believers, it's only naturally uh, natural to consider, like, where's God in all this? What's he doing? Have you ever questioned God's timing? And where does our faith and God's timing collide? How can faith in the love of God... And his love for us, specifically you, shape you and your response to the bad timing of life's most painful and difficult circumstances. These are the things that I've been wondering about the last few weeks. And a passage of scripture has come to mind. It's found in Luke chapter 8. And I'll be reading Luke chapter 8, starting in verse 40. Maybe you've heard this story before. Now when Jesus returned, the crowd welcomed him. For they were all waiting for him. And there came a man named Jairus, who was a ruler of the synagogue. And falling at Jesus' feet, he implored him to come to his house. For he had an only daughter, about 12 years of age, and she was dying. As Jesus went, the people pressed around him. So Jesus is trying to make his way to this man's house to go visit uh, this gentleman's daughter. But people are pressing up on him. And uh, the text says that uh, uh, Jairus was a ruler of the synagogue. A synagogue is a place where fellowship, teaching, and music and worship take place, a lot like what you may experience when you gather with your faith community or your church. So he was a ruler. To, To be a ruler of the synagogue means to organize the gatherings and make what was planned to take place, uh, to make it happen. So in Jairus's time, he would have had a connection to the religious establishment that was so critical of Jesus. And yet, here he comes to Jesus. And all he cares about is that he gets, his, he gets Jesus to his daughter. His only daughter, the text says. She's 12 years old or about 12 years old. And you can put yourself in his shoes, can't you? Jesus, my daughter needs you. Or like even just crying out to God, God, it's too soon. She's so young. There's so much ahead of her. Maybe you've experienced the same, coming to God on behalf of another person or maybe your own children who are sick or hurting physically, or maybe those uh, who are running from God, you come on um, their behalf. Let me ask you, why, why did you run to God on their behalf? On what basis did this father run to Jesus? Well, he came to Jesus based on what he heard and saw of Christ. He's heard Jesus teaching. He's heard of and saw his miracles. And he sees Jesus, that Jesus is accessible and available. And so that's where the hope of this man lies in who Christ is and what he has done. So faith's response or hope's response to the awful timing of life's difficult circumstances is hope. Okay. And so faith in Jesus Christ reveals itself as hope. And there's a confidence in the person and power of Christ. Hope for the present and future is based on God's grace in the past. 
When you or someone you love is facing seemingly insurmountable circumstances, by faith, you go to Jesus. And what that looks like, it's, it's honestly crying out to Jesus. Jesus, there's nothing I can do. I need you. And Jesus is made accessible to us today. You can come to him by prayer and say, I need you. We need you. My daughter needs you. I believe in you. You are who you say you are. You, are, you hold all power. Please help me. And as Jesus is making a way to this man's house, the text says that another revelation of faith takes place. Luke chapter 8, verse 43. And there was a woman who had had a discharge of blood for 12 years, and though she had spent all her living on physicians, she could not be healed by anyone. She came up behind him, that is Jesus, and touched the fringe of his garment, and immediately her discharge of blood ceased. Wow. So this woman's been suffering physically for 12 years. Doctors can't help. Her money is gone. She is suffering not only physically, but also emotionally, I'm sure spiritually. And according to God, uh, God's word in Leviticus chapter 15, this illness actually would have made her ceremonially or ritually unclean. This means no one's touched this gal in like 12 years. So she eats her meals by herself. She worships God by herself. No community groups or small groups, Bible studies with others. No serving on teams at the synagogue with others. She would have been forbidden because of her condition from any kind of intimacy, marital intimacy, any kind. She would have been in complete isolation. Uh, maybe some of you can relate today. And this was for 12 years. Have you ever thought to yourself, God, where are you? Or God, why are you taking so long? Some of you have experienced the pain of long-term difficult circumstances. Physically, emotionally, socially, spiritually. You're without help, it seems. You're desperate and destitute. This woman is suffering. And here she is before Jesus. Listen to verse 44 again. She came up behind Jesus and touched the fringe of his garment. And immediately her discharge of blood ceased. So now we hear the word touched. And the word that's used here is in the middle form verb. It means to fasten onto or to cling to or to to clutch. It's not just a tap. This woman's clinging to Christ. The only picture I can get of this in in my life, in my mind, as I think back through my life is, uh, I remember one of my sons when I was uh, trying to teach him to swim and bring him into a pool. Um, This boy would just hold on to dear life. It's almost as if he thought I was trying to drown him. He would grab me, cling on to me, pull my hair, hold on to my suit. I mean, it was a challenge to get him into that water. This woman is clinging to Christ. She believes her life is in him. Her future is found in him. So she recognizes her need to hold to Christ, to desperately surrender her circumstance to him. She's heard about the power of Christ. She's tried everything else she could do, and she's run out of options. The power of Christ is her hope. And so she believes in him. No one else will do. This is a faith that holds. In this moment, she's done caring about public opinion or her effect on others. She's surrendering all those fears of another disappointment, and she goes all out pursuing Christ. So faith's response to the awful timing of life's difficult circumstances is surrender. Faith in Jesus reveals itself as surrender. It's giving up our fears, our anxieties, our reputation, our attempted control, and it's agreeing that Jesus is the only option. Understanding that he is the only one to handle your life. The only one capable of addressing your most pressing needs. Faith reveals itself as surrender. 
to the person and power of Christ. Maybe you're facing an unbearable circumstance right now, loss of job or um, illness, and, you, and you've tried everything you can to think to fix those situations, to fix that, fix that circumstance. Running to friends, using your money, you're exhausted of trying to control or to keep your act together. And so right now, as you're listening, this is the day to hold to Christ. You're invited. Well, what happens with this, with this woman? Verse 44 says, She came up behind him and touched the fringe of his garment, and immediately her discharge of blood ceased. And Jesus said, Who was it that touched me? And so when everyone denied it, Peter said, Master, the crowds surround you and are pressing in on you. But Jesus said, Someone touched me, for I perceive that power has gone from me. And when the woman saw that she was not hidden, she came trembling and falling down before him and declared in the presence of all the people why she touched him and how she had been immediately healed. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. So she finds physical healing. And then Jesus calls her out. Why did Jesus call her out? Well, Jesus was asking who touched him, not because of not knowing. He's asked the woman to reveal herself for her sake. She needed to be restored socially. And that called for a public restoration and a testimony that she had been healed. That she is healed. Now, now everyone has heard her testimony of healing. And the social part of it has been taken care of. And then comes the spiritual healing. But another healing takes place as well. Consider verse 48 again. Jesus says, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. She needed to be restored spiritually to God, and only he was the one who could affirm that. He says to her, daughter. That's the only time in the New Testament, the whole New Testament, he ever called a woman by that name. This is a familial term. She's now affirmed of a spiritual reality. She's in the family of Christ. Jesus says, your faith is healed, or as some translations put it, saved you. Go in peace. Go in peace with God, Jesus says to her. I mean, what good is physical, emotional, or social healing if in the end you've not received spiritual healing with God through Jesus Christ? Have you ever noticed that throughout the study of the Gospel of Luke, if you've worked through that book before, that Jesus makes a big deal about people's faith? Why is that? Well, the answer is actually found all throughout the New Testament. You can read this in the book of Hebrews. You can read, without faith, it's impossible to please God. And Jesus is pleased with our faith. And this woman is a picture of salvation for us all. You, you, you may not have suffered just like her, physically or socially just like her, but everyone needs spiritual healing from Jesus Christ. Everyone needs to be made right with God. You, you must recognize your need of him to be made clean of your sin, your selfishness, pride, and understand that his death and resurrection on your behalf is your only hope for salvation. If you surrender your life to him, you're forgiven and cleansed. This idea of repentance, like calling out to him, confessing and saying, I need you. All I'm bringing is what is unclean and broken. Please bring healing to me. And his righteousness is given to you, and you're made clean in every way. And that's what 1 John says. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us of all our unrighteousness. Have you run to Jesus by faith, surrendered your life, your heart, your circumstances? Have you set aside your fear of what others might think, what tradition you come from? And in desperation told Jesus, I can't do it anymore. I need your grace. I need your power. I need your righteousness in my life. Faith in Jesus Christ is truly revealed as surrender. Also, to be fair to scripture, in our text today, we're seeing amazing healing that came about by God's grace through faith. But what about when God says no? 
What about when God says no to our request for a changed circumstance? Well, the principles of a revealed faith are the same even when the circumstances don't change. Faith reveals itself as hope and surrender. Wonderfully in our text today, a woman is healed in every way, physically, socially, spiritually. But what about um, Jairus' daughter? Look at verse 49. While he was still speaking, someone from the ruler's house came and said, Your daughter is dead. Do not trouble the teacher anymore. But Jesus, on hearing this, answered him, Do not fear, only believe, and she will be well. And when he came to the house, he allowed no one to enter with him except Peter and John and James and the father and mother of the child. Hmm. Whoever was the person that came from the house, they weren't all that sensitive, were they? Or very insightful. They tell Jairus, just forget it. It's too late for Jesus to come. It's done. It's too late. And when suffering, crisis, trauma, or tragedy occur, fear and despair is the typical response. Nothing will change, give up, give in, it's too late. Have you ever felt that way toward God? Have you ever thought he was too late? That, that's fear, hopelessness. That's deciding that God is bound by our timing and our difficulties. And yet it's a common response to life's awful circumstances. But it's also possible to respond in faith. I have to get to Jesus. I have to continue to believe he will make the difference for his glory. So in verse 50, that's what Jesus is assuring in a sense. But Jesus went on hearing all this and answered them, Do not fear, only believe, and she will be made well. Jesus still called Jairus to trust. Don't look at the circumstances. Don't use the circumstances to justify a reason to not believe. That's what Jesus is saying. Just believe. And Jesus doesn't just call Jairus to believe. He actually is gracious enough to provide a promise. He says to her, she will be healed. She'll be well. So our Lord makes a promise, uh, really a promise of resurrection. So faith's response to the awful timing of life's difficult circumstances is a trust in God's promises. Faith in Jesus Christ is revealed as a steady trust or an ongoing trust in the promises of God. What are some of the promises of God to us? That he works things out together for our good. That he'll never leave you or forsake you. He promises to return. Hmm. Verse 51 says, And when he came to the house, he allowed no one to enter with him except Peter and John and James and the father and the mother of the child. And all were weeping and mourning for her. But he said, Do not weep, for she is not dead, but sleeping. And they laughed at him, knowing that she was dead. But taking her by the hand, he called, saying, Child, arise. And her spirit returned, and she got up at once. And he directed that something should be given her to eat. And her parents were amazed. But he charged them not to tell anybody what happened at this time. Hmm. The Jewish funeral in Jesus' time was usually absolute hysteria going on. Hired mourners would be there. They'd be screaming, wailing, playing dissonant notes on high-pitched flutes. And Jesus says, stop, stop it all. Because their perspective is all wrong. Their timing's off. Jesus tells them that she's not dead as they know it. She's asleep. Now, she's not in a coma as some figure. That's how some people teach the passage. Because we read that her spirit returns to her. So this isn't... Uh, going to be a resuscitation it's going to be a resurrection sleep is often used as a metaphor uh, in the bible uh, to speak of those who die in faith as believers 
So death ultimately is not just physical death, but it's spiritual death, which is separation from God. And so some of you are physically alive, but spiritually dead, living apart from Jesus. You're dead in your trespasses and sins. And the Bible says, and that because of your sins, you will die. And upon death, you'll experience separation from God. Some call that hell. Scriptures seem to indicate that. So that's the worst death of all. That's the ultimate death. And so Jesus says she's asleep, meaning not eternally dead. Why did he say that? Because of what he told Jairus would take place. Did you catch what the response was to Jesus, though? The hired funeral attendees, when he said this, began laughing at him, laughing at Jesus. And their laughter was like a gloating laughter over such a stupid statement showing the ignorance of Jesus about what was obvious. This is a judgmental laugh because the circumstances warrant it, they believe in their mind. So people laugh at God throughout scripture all the time. You can check it out for yourself. People still laugh at Jesus. But faith never judges God by circumstances. People who have faith in Jesus Christ just go on believing. And so Christ brings this young gal to life. And the parents are astonished. They're amazed. A good translation of the original language here is they were out of their minds. (laughs) This is common for folks who have placed their faith in Christ. His grace, power, and mercy overwhelm them. See, God always does his work in our lives in his time. And he cares about our faith in him. It matters to him. So are you needing healing physically, emotionally, socially, spiritually? You can come to Jesus for those things and ask for his will to be done in your life. And that he would administer the right kind of healing for his glory. The right kind. Is your faith revealing itself as hope and surrender? Is your faith revealed by belief in the promises of God? Is your faith increasing, not diminishing, in light of the present circumstances you're facing? This isn't a message of condemnation, it's actually an invitation. Jesus invites you to trust him. And these eyewitness accounts we have invite us to trust him. And so you and I were both invited. We're invited to press into Christ to bring our cares and concerns to Christ, to place our hope, our faith in Christ. Nothing else is big enough. And then we can trust him for the appropriate response. We can trust him for the perfect healing at the perfect time, for your good and his glory.